When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Breeze is set. Play made by Griffin. So now from the 13, it's third and goal. Brady sets up the screen. James White, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Just want to see the reaction here as Brady walks off the field. Will he ever step foot on Gillette turf again? Oh yes, a fascinating offseason that we have begun in the National Football League. Uh, At 4 o'clock, there will be more talk about all the trades that are going on. I'm wearing a Wolves shirt because I now play for the Wolves. They have no players left. I am their shooting guard. Don't kid yourself. That's a great wolf shirt. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's a fantastic that. My wolf wife shirt. got it for me, and I have to go to the arena after this and be their corner three point shooter. Well, congratulations. I can't play any defense. I will be winded by the fourth minute of the game, but I can stand in the corner and get open and possibly make a three. Sage Rosenfels on the show for the first hour as well. What's up, Sage? Are you playing for the Wolves tonight as well? Uh, no chance. I came back. Uh, I must have had uh, some late nights and too many good meals when I was in Miami because <laughs> when I worked out yesterday, I truly thought I was going to get sick, and I wasn't even pushing myself that hard. So I, I would have uh, to work out a little bit probably just to get through warm-ups. I could, I could go through a great warm-up routine as an NBA player but right now, but nothing after that. You were on the Dennis Rodman plan then, basically. No, right? just no, party no, definitely and not then that. go play for the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> You know, I'm a like go to bed at 10:30, you know, type of person, and and you know that's when people are are just going out to dinner in Miami during the Super Bowl. So the the nights just end up being later uh, than what I'm used to. Okay, well, all right, it'll be just me then, and Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, the only remaining players on the Timberwolves. Mackie and Judd and Rami uh, will get into that at four o'clock. Also, the big trade by the uh, Minnesota Twins, and I've got a thought on that that connects to what the Dodgers are doing is. Sort of similar to the thinking about the Vikings quarterback situation, but we'll get into that a little bit later. I want to start out, Sage, by asking you, of all the teams that have their quarterback situations up in the air, and I don't count the Vikings as as this because they know who their quarterback is in 2020. We just don't know who it is in 2021. But I started making out the list of teams that I could see having different quarterbacks in 2020 than in 2019, and it's a long list. I came up with... 11 teams, and I didn't even count Cincinnati because I think it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to draft uh, Joe Burrow. But even then, that's at least a dozen NFL teams that were not 
really certain who their quarterback is going to be. Which, off the top of your head, is the one that is the most interesting to you? As far as the quarterback situation, like which team? Of all the teams that their quarterback situation is up in the air, which is the one that you desperately want to know who their quarterback's going to be? Hmm. That's a good, that's a very good question. Um, well, you know, New England's the sort of the, uh, there's this interesting aspect of we have these veteran guys who are free agents, right? I mean, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, uh, Philip Rivers, I mean, guys who are right near the end. And so it's sort of like, what's going to happen at the end? I imagine, uh, not, not with Philip Rivers, but I, I imagine Brady will be back with New England. I imagine Drew Brees will be back with the Saints. Um, but if I was like a, if I was in that mix, I, I'd love to play for the Saints. I think of all those teams. I know it's it's always hard to like uh, uh, follow a legend or whatever, but that team is very much made to win. You're playing in the dome. You got some great offensive players. Your defense has been good. That's a really really good young football team. So I, I think there and maybe Tennessee. I mean, what Tennessee did with the defense, with what Vrabel did there, and then with that running game. I mean, that's a. It's it's just amazing that uh, that Tannehill had you know he had the best year he didn't play the entire season but he had the best year in the NFL you don't just do that when you've been a pretty average quarterback for for your whole career so that would be to me probably a really good situation if I was somehow in that mix uh, of a team that I'd like to play for so this goes right into our game for today that I want to play with you and uh, I, I lay, uh, laid out all the teams that could have different quarterbacks except Cincinnati because who cares, they're going to draft Joe Burrow. And then all the potential quarterbacks who could end up landing with these teams. And I agree with you that the Saints are a great situation. I also think Indianapolis and Tampa Bay are really good situations too. They're not quite the level of the Saints in terms of being proven for years. And Michael Thomas is... I don't even know if there's a debate that he's the best receiver in the league. I think he's clearly number one, so that helps you. But Tennessee, Indy, Tampa Bay, these are good teams. Even the Chicago Bears have a lot of talent on that team, and Mitch Trubisky might not be their quarterback. Courtney Cronin of ESPN, who hosts on Tuesdays, loves to remind me that uh, when I'm making fun of the Bears for saying they were going to bring back Trubisky, that that's what Arizona said about Josh Rosen at this time last year. Oh, Rosen is going to be our quarterback, franchise guy, next 10 years. And then, of course, they trade him away for a second-round pick and draft Kyler Murray. So things can change in a hurry. So the way that I've uh, set this up is we have a draft order, and we each have our teams, and we're going to go back and forth and talk about what we think the most likely scenario is and what we think that each team should do. So I've laid but you, out... But, but but the teams are, if I was picking the quarterback for that team, correct? Yes, yes. And the teams are in random order of how we do this. Correct. And you, okay. can, you can say what you think that they should do and what you think they will do. And a lot of times that might match up, but sometimes it probably won't. So the draft order for this is New England, Miami, Tennessee, Indy, Jacksonville, the Vegas Raiders. Yeah, so weird. I hate it. I hate so it weird. so much. I don't even like seeing L.A. Chargers. I don't like it either. Yeah, so I put the Chargers we're gonna, in. We're going to be seeing the London Jaguars pretty soon. It just the feels London wrong. United Jaguars. If like the autumn wind is now a hundred degrees in Vegas, well, that that takes away the you know, the ambiance for the Oakland Raiders. Anyway, so the San Diego Chargers, uh, the Chicago Bears, Tampa Bay Bucks, Panthers, and then the Saints. That's the, that's the list. And the quarterbacks are Rivers, Brady, Bridgewater, Derek Carr, Breeze, Nick Foles, Cam Newton, Tua, Justin Herbert, Ryan Tannehill, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Taysom Hill, Joe Flacco, and any kind of McCown. So 
You can just, if you want a team to have either Luke or Josh McCown or Cade McNown, you can do that. They'd be nice guys to hire as coaches as well. <laughs> yeah, so. you could you could pick which team you want Josh McCown, McCown to be the coach. So, so I got the first pick. You have the first and pick. I'm picking and for the New England. You're Patriots. picking for the New England Patriots, right? Who so do you I, think I truly, should be and will be their quarterback for 2020? Okay, so I truly believe that Tom Brady's going to go back there. I just don't know how he could go to another team. The only team I can see him going to. Would to me would be like the Tennessee Titans. I mean, him and Vrabel, I imagine, are very close. They've got a team sort of set to win there, and I imagine Vrabel would say to uh, say, say to Tom is like, you know, you can do whatever you want with this offense, right? So that would be a place where Tom would like all of a sudden have a ton of power, uh, and I could see that. But I think Tom Brady will will go back to New England. I, I think that's going to happen. I, I think Kraft will just make that happen. But if somehow it doesn't, and he goes somewhere else, if I'm New England. Teddy Bridgewater. I think Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, interesting. Teddy's off the board already. I know. So I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna throw the whole thing for a tailspin, and like somehow wow. the domino falls, and Brady doesn't up in New England. So just to make it more interesting. So if I were them, if all these people on the list, you know, I think Brees has got plenty in the tank. I don't like Drew Brees playing up in the Northeast, and and you know, blah blah blah. But I think Teddy Bridgewater. If you look at a lot of these quarterbacks nowadays, they do a lot of things that Tay does. He makes good decisions. Uh, he's a pretty accurate passer. Uh, he does a good job protecting the football. He's athletic. I would you know, start running a little bit of a different system there that's you know, a little bit more the, the boot and the, the play action type stuff to fit you know, Teddy's uh, uh, abilities. But you know, he's a guy that could be their, their, their guy for the next you know, eight to, to ten years if it works out well. And, and uh, I put him, I put Teddy in sort of the world of Jimmy Garoppolo, mm-hmm. you know, the guy that yeah. I think is sort of in his prime and, and uh, needs a good team around him, sure, but definitely good enough to win a Super Bowl. So you could definitely see Teddy being also the guy who checks down to running backs and gets your seven, eight yards, and then it's third and 11, and Teddy rolls around and makes a play or something. You know, Brady over the last few years has not had to just throw it and throw it and throw it and throw it like when he had Randy Moss and he's throwing 50 touchdowns. It's been a lot of build playmakers around him, a lot of short passes, a lot of get rid of the ball pretty quick. And I think that works for Teddy Bridgewater because when he went 5-0 and with the Saints, that's exactly what they were doing. Just get the ball to Michael Thomas. Get the ball to Elvin Kamara. Get it out quick. Don't get sacked. Don't lose Rely yardage. Rely defense, right, which exactly. is a very good defense. You know, um, Yeah, I, I think that would be a good fit. And I can see, I can see uh, Bill Belichick sort of appreciating te- uh, Teddy's style and how that's like winning you know, style of football. Even if his numbers aren't, you know, a, a beautiful thing, and I think they would design some things so Teddy would occasionally run, you know, on the the third downs mm-hmm. or in the red zone. He can do a little zone read stuff, which any defensive coach would realize or know that that is an advantage for an offense in those key situations. That's, you know, they ran the option the other night with the best, you know, throwing quarterback in the league. They ran it two or three times in, in the Super Bowl, yeah. but it's almost impossible to stop. But you know, NFL teams don't do it because. Uh, they don't want to risk hurting the quarterback, but in key situations in a playoff game or in a Super Bowl, yeah, run your quarterback in the goal line, and and uh, I think Teddy uh, could, could do some of those things, and, and I think Belichick would appreciate that. Okay, so second on the board here for just the teams that need quarterbacks and what we think will happen and what should happen. With the Miami Dolphins, for my pick, uh, I'm going to say the answer is the same. It's Tua, and it's also Tua that they should trade up to number two with Washington and they should take Tua Tagovailoa 
and start the rebuild process, play Ryan Fitzpatrick this year, wait for Tua to fully heal with his hip, and get him development. You know that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be awesome to him because Ryan Fitzpatrick is awesome to everyone. And uh, that might be a team that can spend some money in free agency and win seven or eight games next year and be a little bit better than they were this year and then get another decent draft pick and go forward and have, I mean, a a really good rebuild. Like, that's how you envision it when you tear the entire thing down and you trade your left tackle for a first-round pick and so forth is you envision getting a quarterback who can sit and wait and learn and then dropping him into a much better situation a year down the road. I think for the Miami Dolphins, that's a much better idea than trying to tank for Trevor Lawrence because even this year you saw it's kind of hard to tank in the NFL. Miami was the ultimate tanking team, and they still ended up with, what, five wins and not the number 1 overall pick. Um, So I I think Tua is a great prospect that they should go after. You know, of all the things that Miami and I – you know, I, I don't know Flores, the coach. Obviously, I think he did a really good job. They were sort of tanking this year, at least from a front office standpoint, which is I understand. Like, you know, these guys, like like their left tackle, he was coming up on He had a big contract or maybe he was coming up on a contract, and they decided to, to get something for him, sent him to, uh, I believe, Houston and, yep, yep. And, and, all, and all these different things. So, But they somehow won five football games. So to me, like, that must be good coaching. That must be building a good foundation of players that are just, you know, will fight and scrap and try to find a way to win football games, and, and they definitely weren't, weren't giving up. What really surprised me this offseason with the Dolphins, and again, this is the team that I spent four years playing for the longest in my career, so, you know, I keep an eye on these old teams and what I think are both good and bad hires, and, you know, you root for them a little bit or, or whatever, but they hired Chan Gailey as the offensive yes, coordinator. Yes, yeah. And I don't know if Chan Gailey's been in the NFL for – like 10 years I, I don't even know i haven't heard that name in such a long time he's he was with buffalo with Fitz. he's okay yeah he's 68 years old and that is just a very surprising move for me and and i'm you know they're gonna get a 68 year old coach to then get Tua and try to be you know mm, yeah. coach like these new age offensive coordinators and when you know, they're, they're adding some rpo and college stuff to their thing and the what kyle shannon coming up with and being more creative and like Chan Gailey is going to get you that. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm, I'm super uh, intrigued by like how that's going to go because well, I just all- cannot imagine being out of the NFL for multiple years and like diving back in as a 68 year old. I think that's true. I would also say that he has always been a kind of a creative guy as an offensive mind as a head coach. Maybe there were times where he struggled but from the offensive perspective, at least when I was around in Buffalo and he was the head coach, he did a pretty good job making them fairly competitive and their offenses competitive with Ryan Fitzpatrick as his quarterback. So I, I guess I could see him having stayed, you know, like dialed in. We said the same thing about John Gruden in a way. He's not 68, but well, he's been out of the game. What's he going to do? And I thought Gruden's Oakland team, considering their talent, bounced back pretty well from a horrible first year with him and had a pretty good offense. So, I don't know. I mean, that's always a hard one to tell. Like, how dialed in has he been behind the scenes? Has he been learning and keeping up with all the things that modern offenses are doing? Uh, That is for sure a concern. But I think if you're the Miami organization, 
Get your young quarterback right now. Don't rely on the hope that you'll get Trevor Lawrence next year because some other team might out-tank you. If you go 1-15, yes. somebody else might go 0-16, and, and you've, you've really made it ugly. And I think your point about Flores is good, that he's not going to let them go 1-15 next year. All right, your next yeah. pick is... By the way, uh, I, I do like the Tua pick, and, and somebody sort of compared him to maybe like a Drew Brees-type player. Yeah, I could see The way that. he throws the ball and the accuracy and, and good decision-making and... And uh, you know, and, and I mean, of course, you you love that comparable, which you know we're we're up at we're we're going into comparable time, right? This is the off season, so everything's a comparable. Yes. Like, well, he yes. could be like the uh-huh. Andrew Luck, or he could be the. Uh, by the way, Pat Mahomes end up being what everyone was hoping Andrew Luck would be. I saw saw that the other day. I thought that was a pretty good. Like we thought Andrew was going to be this game changing. He's a mix of Peyton Manning, but also he's super athletic. And you know, I, I think Trevor Lawrence sort of has what. Some of the Andrew Luck thing, but but really the the, the prospect it was Pat Mahomes because he does all the things that we've never mm. seen before: great arm and the athleticism. So um, anyway, moving well, that, on. That, no, that's an interesting discussion because I think if Andrew Luck gets with Frank Reich from the very beginning and yes. not uh, with the offense that he was in, where the, he was dropping back nine steps and getting sacked. I mean, all imagine the time. if Andrew Luck was the Vikings quarterback in his prime you know last year oh jonathan and i had this discussion how many super bowls do you think uh the vikings would have won under mike zimmer if they had patrick mahomes or andrew lucky yeah right i mean listen and mahomes is a whole different thing so when you're discussing by the way like like quarterbacks the nfl and you know is is jimmy garoppolo good enough or is this guy or cousins or whatever there's basically like only a few players that are just on another level like you should be thanking the good mm-hmm. Lord every single day that he's the quarterback of your franchise, and Pat Mahomes is, uh, in, and like I think Russell Wilson are near the top of that. Like the, you know, you have a chance basically every single week just because your quarterback is so good. For the majority of teams, you sort of hope you can build a really good team, and that's what San Francisco did. They built a great team, an awesome defense, uh, a great D line. They could run the football, so they didn't have to decide every single week. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo has to win us every single game. That's that's where most teams are. That's where Tennessee is. That's where a lot, a lot of teams are. And unless you get one of those great, great players, how good a team can you build around them? If you don't get, if you do get one of those good players, you can have some weaknesses. And Kansas City obviously had some weaknesses this year, but Luck was just so good that he could overcome all of them. So it would have been a good hot take to throw out of nowhere Andrew Luck in this draft. By the way, and yeah, he just comes back, right? I mean, do you think that that's going to happen? Do you think he's going to come back? No, I don't think so. I maybe I don't know. You know, um, you know, like the was it Jake Locker? He retired at like twenty five or something yeah. like that. That was yep. sort of a surprise. But it sounds like his body's pretty beat up, and you know, but but who knows? Nothing surprises me uh, in the National Football League. So so Miami is Tua. Yep, and now you are Tennessee. And now I'm Tennessee. So I said Tom Brady's going to go to Tennessee. That's right. That's what I was. You know, if somehow when he leaves New England, if I were him, that would it wouldn't be the L.A. Raiders. I think it'd be the Tennessee Titans. I think that Vrabel knows that he's got a really good team that's relying on defense in the running game, and Tom can come come in there and be more than what Peyton Manning was, and more what more than what uh, Ryan Tannehill was, uh, which could get them you know over the top, and maybe they could grind out a playoff win. Uh, you know, against you know the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs next year in the the AFC Championship game. So you made this really hard on me for my next pick, which is Indianapolis, by taking Teddy Bridgewater. I thought 
no way Sage will give Bridgewater <laughs> to New England, and that's what you did. And uh, what know, do you think? I mean, what uh, he's the guy that I look at like can win now and also has a lot of years left. Yes, totally. Right. No, I, I think if you're Belichick, you've got to be considering um, Teddy Bridgewater for that. If Tom Brady does indeed leave, but it makes it a little more tricky for my Indianapolis pick because I think for the same reason it's an Indianapolis team that has years to go not just oh no they've got to win right now because of all their stars and their prime they have something were like they, 90 million in cap space were they seven and nine this six and ten uh, they sure were seven and nine this okay. year and probably got the absolute most you could ever get out of Jacoby Brissett and the roster and they also had injuries too so if Ryan Tannehill is gone mm. then from Tennessee. I'm going to say Ryan Tannehill goes to Indianapolis. Gotcha. Because it's a very similar situation in that you can give him a lot of weapons. They have a good running back. They've got uh, good receivers, a really good offensive line, which I think Tannehill needs. That's where maybe Miami was problematic for him outside of Adam Gase being like bad at his job. Is the, way, the, the numbers Tannehill put up this year? They're just wild. The, the rank rank all the quarterbacks in order. I know Tannehill. What did he play? Ten games maybe, or something, or, or until the playoffs. But he didn't start the whole year. But he had the he was the best quarterback in the league last year. He was PFF's he number one. He didn't have enough uh, dropbacks to which is to crazy, qualify, but. but yeah, and that, that's always sort of the like the you know is it the one year wonder Nick Foles thing? Mm-hmm. Is he the one year wonder that Nick Foles basically was? But I think he's better than that because he was uh, taking them to the playoffs one year with Miami and started to look like he was fulfilling his potential, and then he got hurt, and then our buddy Matt Moore, our friend, uh, ends up starting in the playoff game Sup- and losing. Super Bowl champion, Super Matt Bowl Moore. champ Matt Moore. He gets a ring, and he's got to win in that season. Uh, on to Jacksonville, Nick Foles, Gardner Minshew. I still look at that as an open situation where they could decide that they were going to trade Foles and look at Minshew as more of a backup. So I I included Jacksonville on this list because they've made big changes in their front office, and they might look at it and say, no, sorry, Gardner Minshew is not really a starting quarterback. He's much more of a future journeyman. Yeah, so this this team was good two years ago. Right? They were, good, they were good two years ago, three years uh, ago? Three years ago three is years when ago. they went, yeah. And They've sort of fallen off over the last couple of years. The roster is just okay. They're, they're a defensive. They, they got rid of the corner. They have those two first-round draft picks from the Rams, by the way, which I think are going to be uh, are going to help them at some point sort yeah. of rebuild this team. Yep. So then you're thinking rebuild. You're thinking maybe a younger guy. Um, I could see them drafting, you know, uh, uh, Justin Herbert. Um, there's also this kid named Love uh, out Jordan of Utah Love, yep. State. That people seem to really, really like. I have not gone gone to the grind of the film yet. We will we'll, plenty we'll of time to get to that. Yep. You know, just just coming off uh, the end of the season, but we'll get to that. Um, but I can see them also drafting somebody. Sort of like I see Miami drafting somebody and not play to win now. There is this sort of weird thing of like you know they're one of those teams that's looking to put people in the seats. You know, yes, so that's yeah. like another aspect in London. And, you, and going to London twice in back to back games. Like, is that where you go like for a Cam Newton? Because like he'll do that, you know, and um, but you know, so I look at them as probably drafting somebody. I can see them drafting somebody uh, younger and, and playing for the future. Okay, since it's Jacksonville and they always find a way to screw it up, we'll give them Justin Herbert then. Okay, um, because I think Justin Herbert's going to be the classic guy who everyone's like, pretty tall, pretty darn tall. Oh, I don't, I don't think he's going to be a great pro. I've sort of, I've looked at enough of him. I get mm, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. You know, sort of has all the numbers, but not the. 
the the whatever that really really matters. He did play well in the Senior Bowl and and he's a good really good athlete. He can run a little bit, but you know he's not Trevor Lawrence by any uh, any stretch of the imagination. We'll definitely get into Herbert because he'll be a guy we talk about for the Vikings potentially. But in one of the early games last season, they were playing I think Auburn or someone really good, and it was a close game, and he had a chance to lead a game-winning drive, and instead he ends up throwing a Hail Mary that went 15 yards out of the back of the end zone. I thought, like, okay, well, that's going to be tough to work with. He does seem to throw a lot of fastballs yeah. when he plays, mm-hmm. which I don't always love the, the guys that are just, you know. Then you have the coaches who don't really get quarterbacks, and they get wild by the fastball. Then go, like, have you seen Drew Brees? Like the first ballot Hall of Fame guy, he's never thrown it. He's Greg Maddox. He's like mm-hmm. 81, low and outside on the corner. And he strikes out 10 every game, you know. So, um, anyway, uh, so we're moving on to the, the Vegas, Vegas Raiders. Raiders. The Las which, Vegas Raiders. And that's yeah. next year. They're moving to the stadium it next is. year, correct? Yes. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, is that in the Vikings schedule? It is not next year. I don't know when it will be, honestly. Um, I'm preseason, gonna, maybe possibly. You really want to go cover that game for Score North, don't you? No, Is that you why know, you're asking? Well, you know, it's got great weather. You know? uh, yeah, that that's definitely the only reason you would want to do that. Um, this one's hard because I think John Gruden can't stand Derek Carr. And Gruden is one of those guys where he wants it to be his idea to work also. Like Derek Carr was someone else's idea. He tried it, and he would love to be the guy who comes in and says, no, 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 I've got the true vision for a quarterback here, which makes you think that they might draft someone. And you could put Jordan Love in that conversation or Jalen Hurts. But I think Vegas, you were just talking about Jacksonville going to London and wanting to make things interesting. Vegas with Cam Newton. He's been beat up. Carolina is completely changing everything there. They might want to draft their own guy and and start developing someone new and rebuilding that franchise from from where it was. Cam has so many injuries that I'm not sure he'll ever be the same. But boy, wouldn't it be like the most Vegasy Vegas move to trade for Cam Newton? So I am sending Newton to the Vegas Raiders. That would be a Vegas move. I do see Cam Newton as a guy that you, if you want to have him on your team, it's sort of a maybe for a year thing in your draft, you know, try to have somebody else. I just do not see the personalities sort of uh, uh, working together there. You know, uh, John Gruden is a guy. I look back to, like, who did John Gruden love, right? I mean, he loved um, – I'm ha- uh, what, Brad I'm ha- Johnson? No, uh, back with the Raiders. I'm having the uh, – Rich Gannon. Uh, Rich Gannon, okay. How could who you forget a journeyman? Yeah, classic journeyman. But he, you know, he likes the veterans who really love the precision and the detail, sure, sure, and, sure, yeah. and the grinders, and you know, yeah, Brad Johnson, those types of guys. So you're sort of like, you know, who are these sort of old school? Like, could that be Philip Rivers? You know, some guy who doesn't maybe have the arm anymore, but you can put any game plan in front of him, and and uh, he's seen everything, and he can he can be super high completion percentage and put a good team around him, and then you also start over with a young guy. You know, I mean, that's Philip Rivers and his eight kids living in Las <laughs> Vegas. That's uh, or nine kids, whatever it is. By the way, they just moved to Florida. I don't know if the listeners know that, but all the Rivers family, I think they have he and his wife have a lot of family in Florida. They just moved to somewhere in Florida. That's where, to me, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers might make a little sense. Which you are um, on the board when we come back from the break with the Chargers, and then I have the Bears, and then you have the Bucks. 
So will I take Philip Rivers from you before you get to the Bucks? But you went you went Cam Newton uh, you went Cam Newton Vegas I, yes. Raiders. Yes, I'm right? going okay. Cam Newton Vegas Raiders, which is not the thing that I necessarily think will happen. But you could also see them being convinced and even getting pressure from ownership. Like this would be awesome to have Cam here, and if he's healthy, he's definitely better than Derek Carr. So let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll continue our draft. We've also got some hot routes to run through as well. Having fun here on a Wednesday. And then, Sage, your buddy Gus Ferrat's coming up next hour, too. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's another journeyman day here on the show. All right, we'll uh, take a break. We'll be right back. You listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Hey, Score North listeners. It's Phil Mackey here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which is here to give business owners that peace of mind that you need When you've built a company with your blood, your sweat, your tears, maybe not your blood, but whatever, like you built a company and you want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover if needed, recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Federated has a century of experience in helping business owners. You can find out more about the industries Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North Donald. We'll get you back to Purple Daily and some quarterback drafting and hot routes in just a second. But first, you can join Score North's Rami Maklov and Team KSTP at this year's JDRF One Walk to create a world without type 1 diabetes. Saturday, February 22nd, join our team or donate to Team KSTP at scorenorth.com. Keyword JDRF. Scorenorth.com right now is your home for all of the written coverage you need on the two mega deals the Twins and Wolves were involved in last night. Derek Wetmore has his thoughts over there on the Twins giving up Bruce Dark Ratterall to get Kenta Maeda. And Judd's got you covered on the Wolves trading away, well, as Caller pointed it or put it, just about everyone except for Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. He's got that covered over on scorenorth.com. We'll keep you covered over at scorenorth.com. And the there's Score another North article on the website that you didn't mention, Jonathan. Caller's got one, too. About what? No, not Tell not. everyone. Oh, my gosh. Really? <laughs> I was pointing out the mega deals that okay, our fine. teams were involved mm-hmm. in. You're done. All right. That's enough. It's about Kirk Cousins and Alex Smith. We'll see if you, you are okay allowed that? on Hot Routes after this. Right. This disrespect. Uh, yes, it is about whether it's fair to compare the quarterback situation for the Vikings with that of Alex Smith and the Chiefs, because it's not always just super easy to find Patrick Mahomes. And thank you for detailing that in mm-hmm. your anytime. In your All right, anything That's else? on the download. Now back to you. All right. Okay, so in the uh, in the first segment of the show, uh, we started to draft quarterbacks in places that have quarterback uncertainty. That's the best way I can explain it. Matthew Collar, former NFL quarterback, our journeyman correspondent, Sage Rosenfels. And so let me just recap what we have so far. Sage sent Teddy Bridgewater to New England. I took Tua Tugaviola for Miami, assuming they trade up to do it. You put Tom Brady in Tennessee, which would be really interesting. So with Ryan Tannehill on the market, I put him in Indianapolis. Justin Herbert is going to Jacksonville. And I have probably the most radical decision is Cam Newton going to the Vegas Raiders to be under the brightest of lights there in Vegas. So now on the clock are the Los Angeles Chargers. And uh, I think we agree on this, Sage, that Phillip Rivers moving all of his kids to Florida means he's probably not coming back to the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes. I, I, well, I think a report came out, I feel like when I was in Miami, it, it came out somewhere that that was, uh, you know, that was a rumor that was an Adam Schefter or something like that. that Jay Glazer, I think, was the one who had it. Yeah, yeah. The, the Chargers were done. 
um, and, and and moving on. So so what do you move on to, and what is there left? Right? They they are not the um, cream of the crop as far as teams that you'd want to play for. Right? They they weren't a great team that, uh, this year. They have no home field advantage. They have the opposite of that. They have an sort of embarrassing situation where the opposing team comes in and usually has about three quarters of the fans. And they play in a soccer stadium. They are going to build this new stadium. All right, so start starting over. So I'm looking at starting over and doing something different that than the than the pocket pass that they've had for 16 years, something like that. Yeah, I mean, a long time, a very okay. long time. Taysom Hill. Oh, okay. Taysom Hill. We're going to play a different style of ball. We're going to grind it out. We're going to do all sorts of quarterback running, quarterback throwing option. We're going to get another quarterback that does some different stuff, too, as a backup guy, and we're sort of mix and match, and it's going to be like nothing the NFL has ever seen before. Wild. It's going to, okay. Right, that, that's what I'm going with with, uh, with Taysom Hill because the head coach is a defensive guy, and I think they're going to like, we're going to find ways to have a different style, uh, and Taysom Hill is a lot of fun to watch. And um, I, I think that uh, in the new stadium, I think you know, doing something completely new, and then also maybe drafting somebody um, with a you know maybe a first rounder or a second rounder or something, uh, and to sort of develop you know both those guys because Tatum's not going to get a lot of money. I mean, what's what's he's, he going to get? So he's a restricted free agent. Okay. So someone would have to also pay a draft pick if they want him. But for a quarterback, you're going to do it if you believe is it that be guy a fourth can be a rounder, maybe or uh, something. I like think that? it'll be higher than that. My guess is they'll put a second round tender on him. Usually, if you put a first round tender, that gets really expensive. But they yeah. might even do that if you think you're getting your quarterback for a number of years. It would still be worth it. And I believe the Taysom Hill. And this is based on just stuff he's said, including at the Super Bowl. He really wants to play quarterback. He's willing to do the other stuff, and we saw how good he is at it, catching passes, running the ball, blocking, all that stuff. But at the Super Bowl, he was interviewed on one of the many thousands of shows at the Super Bowl that interview people and said he believes he's a franchise quarterback. So if you went to him with a offer sheet and said, okay, we're going to give you $40 million guaranteed over the next three years I don't think they to have be to our quarterback or something. I don't think the Saints... I mean, they may look at him as like the future uh, quarterback, but I mean, he's, you'd have to do something that the Saints couldn't match. Basically, he's not some that would great be too expensive and, for them, and they might match him to be their backup because they, he does so much, many other things. Mm-hmm. I, I truly believe Drew Brees is going back to the Saints. I, I don't know how that's not going to happen. He took a little bit of even, I think, a sort of a pay cut last year, made it really, really simple to sign back there because yeah. again, they have this young win now team. I think could be back there, but if somehow he's not. Let's put Drew Brees there, back with the Chargers, the team that he left, you know, 15 years ago or whatever it was. He has, <laughs> now, he that lives, would be something if all of a sudden Brees in, ends up with the Chargers. I know. It's, it's like Eli Manning going back to the Chargers. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, but he lives in Del Mar in the off season, which is north of San Diego. He sort of has a West Coast thing. I think he'll always have a New Orleans world. I do, again, I think he'll go back to the Saints. But since we're, we have this order, I'm drafting. I'm going to Chargers. I, I I can see the 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 Drew Brees situation that being super interesting too. Again, in the new stadium, I can see the Brees loving you know the the Brees family sort of loving that arrangement. So you're going to go Drew Brees to the Chargers then. So you're gonna you're gonna change directions yeah, I'm gonna here. Do and go I'm gonna Drew go Brees. Drew Brees the, I'm gonna go to Drew okay. Brees to the Chargers. I'm gonna change it up. This is this is uh, this is wild. This is like you <laughs> it, like you um, submitted your card for the draft and then you said no 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 no. Here's here's the new pick. Well, I was I think I had just in my mind. Drew I was like, have we, have, we, have you have we done Drew Brees yet? We haven't had him going anywhere yet. And again, we have Saints as the last pick of this little draft they're doing. But and I think he'll be there. 
But I think that would be a splash move. You'd get some people in the seats. You know, it's one of those things. And that team desperately needs something that uh, sort of to hang their hat on. So I know that you want Philip Rivers on the Bucks, and I have the Bears here. I, I'm not convinced that the Bears want to stick with Mitch Trubisky because they have eyeballs and watched football last year, I think, in the front office. And I know these GMs want themselves to be right all the time, so they want to give these young quarterbacks as much time as they possibly can. But you also have to be realistic with yourself that if this guy doesn't win next year, everyone gets fired, so none of this matters anyway. The one I want to go with here that would be really interesting and completely change the dynamic of the Chicago Bears is Jameis Winston. I don't think the Bucks want to stick with him because he threw 100 interceptions this year. And he is a guy that you don't really trust. But if you're the Bears and you're thinking, ah, we've, we, we can't stick with uh, Trubisky, though, so maybe they're looking for that situation where they find their Ryan Tannehill, where another team moves on, but you could put him in a good situation yeah, or something like that. Listen, knowing the Bears' offense, uh, and it's so reliant on a throwing quarterback, mm-hmm. it's nice that Mitch can run and stuff, but really I, I think Mitch should be more of a bootleg play-action style of offense yeah. and not be relied to like read the defense and read the blitzes and whatever. Jameis Winston's a lot of things, but one, he's a very good thrower. He's a thrower of the football, and I think that he could work in that Chicago Bears offense. And, and yes, he throws about a lot of interceptions, but uh, he is a guy that you, you could put him in shotgun, throw the ball 40 or 50 times a game. It's not going to shock him or whatever. Mm-hmm. Trubisky, to me, is like the worst quarterback to have in that Bears offense. Yeah, so I'm going to go Winston, and they just throw it all the time, and he throws 25 interceptions again, but... I, I like it for him if that's how they want to run their offense. If and Matt Nagy just wants defense. to pass all the time, he's got a defense, and and uh, you know, and maybe he'll throw some fewer picks or whatever. Uh, so then, I, then I'm with the Bucks. You I are go with back the Bucks. Jameis Winston just left, and we think that's going to be Philip Rivers, who I do. You know, Rivers has always been a guy who's liked to push the ball down the field. You go back to sort of his roots in the early San Diego Chargers, and it, it originally was like it was North Turner's system or whatever. They really did like to throw the ball down the field. And I, Rivers has always sort of had that in him, so I can see him really fitting well, actually, with Bruce Arians' offense. Even though he doesn't have a super strong arm, Philip likes to push the ball down the field, and so does Bruce Arians. Yeah, we're on the same page there, that Bruce Arians did not come back to coaching to have them get rid of Winston and draft Jalen Hurts or something. Well, and he, he loved Carson Palmer at the end of his career, too, right? A guy that liked yeah. the old quarterback. And, that and had, you know, he's also Mr. No-Risk-It-No-Biscuit, and so is Philip Rivers. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Philip Rivers loves heaving the ball down the field, and so does Bruce Arians. That one just makes so much sense. If Teddy Bridgewater is not going to go to the Bucks, then I could totally see it being. Uh, I sort of Rivers. feel like a a Bucks fan next year would get their money's worth. You know, watching games or going to games. I mean, I think they're going to be there. Be some shootouts and high scoring and turnovers and just a lot of action in general. Not not boring football to watch. Yep, at very least it would be exciting. Uh, Panthers. I'm going to say that they want to restart this whole thing. That they want to press the reset button on it, and they want to draft a quarterback, and that quarterback is going to be Jordan Love because they want to go the athletic route, the big arm route, and college coach, pro- college like, coach right? right, a college coach who's going to believe I can get the most out of this guy by spreading it out and, and all these sorts of things, but also that they they've got to look at that franchise as you're not really in a position to win or anywhere close at this moment. So why not get a young quarterback to build around the same way they did once upon a time with Cam Newton, draft Jordan Love. You're not going to be a high enough 
team picking to take Joe Burrow or to take Tua or maybe even Justin Herbert, who we already assigned to Jacksonville. So I'm going to say that the Panthers take Jordan Love. Do you keep, uh, is it Kyle Allen that was the quarterback that sort of finished the season? Yeah, he could be a backup. This year, and you, you keep him as sort of the backup or maybe you play him initially uh, until you feel like Love is ready because he did. He had some good games. That game at Green Bay, when Carolina played at Green mm-hmm. Bay, it was in the snow. He played out of his mind. They ended up losing the game. I think it was a two-point conversion, something right at the end. But it was a it was a heck of a football game, and I was really impressed. And you know, to to be a really young player to come in and play at Lambeau in the in the snow uh, against a better football team, and, and give her team. He made some impressive corner throws again, like in terrible throwing conditions. Uh, he's not. There's definitely worse backups out there, or guys that maybe you you sort of start the season because he's the vet and and let that rookie sit for for six or eight games. I think Kyle Allen ends his career twenty eight and twenty eight as his starting <laughs> record. It's like exactly what he's going to be. There's going to be his great moments, and he's going to play for four teams. And sometimes he's going to start, and he's going to have that one year where he goes eleven and five or something, and then other years where he goes five and eleven. That, that's how I see him. But, you know, they should have him compete. Or if they need to start Kyle Allen next year and sit Jordan Love, that's what they should do if they're going to move on from uh, Cam Newton. So the last one, you already sent Drew Brees to the Chargers. Yeah, so you now you really got Taysom, bold here. But this is where Taysom Hill just steps right in. Okay, so, so you want Taysom Hill as the starting yeah, quarterback everything of the went, uh, Everything went full circle here. So, so let's, Taysom Hill. let's imagine this world now. That Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback of New England. Tua's in Miami. Brady is in Tennessee. Indianapolis has Tannehill. Jacksonville drafted Justin Herbert. The Vegas Raiders now have Cam Newton. Los Angeles Chargers have Drew Brees. The Bears have Winston. The Bucks have Rivers. The Panthers have Jordan Love. And the Saints have Taysom Hill. Which team got the most better by getting the quarterbacks that we assigned to them, do you think? Well, I think in the short term, I think it gives Tennessee another chance to be right back where they were. Right, it sort of legitimizes that. I think they would win, you know, ten, eleven games. Uh, that's that's not a great division that they're in, and I think they do that. Um, I think New England got better in a sense of having a different quarterback that's more athletic now, and then also a guy that could be the guy going forward for the next, you know, eight or ten years. So I think sort of long term, I, I think New England got a lot better, and I think a short term Tennessee. You know that they'll they have a window here, and again, it also like maybe they draft a quarterback or something like that in the later rounds, and see if they can develop him while, while Brady plays for you know just just one season. Uh, I think those two teams, at least for me, of course, they're my draft picks, but uh, you know, of course, um, that that's uh, that's who I like as far as teams that got better. I'm going to say even if Philip Rivers is kind of washed, that the Bucks have a great team. Their defense has gotten better. They've drafted a lot of people on defense. Their offensive line has gotten better. And then they have these two freak show receivers and a good tight end. And they could give Phillip Rivers a lot of talent there for a team that is well-coached and loves to throw the ball a lot. I look at the Bucks, especially with that division sort of in flux, as a team that could be a legitimate contender next year and go eleven and five or twelve and four if they don't have a quarterback who's throwing thirty interceptions. I think of all the the conversations we that we just had and picking players for teams, the things that are gonna happen uh, that are a little bit new. You know, I think again, I think Breeze will go back to the Saints. I think uh, uh, Tom Brady will end up in New England, but I do believe the Bucks. And Philip Rivers, that just seems to make a lot of sense, and it, it may or may not happen. I, I that that one feels like to me 
that really can and, and will happen. And uh, but you know we, what do we got here? We have a month, 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 and a couple of days or something like that. When does free agency start? This or usually uh, it's like the March, first week of March. I think it's a little later. I think it's I like, like March eighteenth. Back a little bit. Yeah, now. I think March eighteenth yeah. is when it starts. So we've got about a month and a half to play games like this. Um, we've well, we got left... the combine coming up uh, in two and a half weeks or so. I'm, we're going to be out there. Looking forward to that Thursday, the quarterbacks throw. I think we're going to be there sort of Tuesday through Friday. Uh, looking forward to you know seeing some of these guys work and, and 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 talking to some of the coaches a little bit and sort of see what they think think of these players. You know, I, I already had some some conversations with uh, some of the people at the Senior Bowl this year, and you know how Anthony Gordon, who I trained, and some of these other quarterbacks did because it's interesting. It's not just the that you play in the game in the Senior Bowl. It's obviously it's like a it's like an it's like you get to work with these one these these coaches an NFL coaching staff who gets a really good feel for the kid over the course of five or six days but also they actually have a time where the other coaching staff gets to actually interview the players on the opposite team so they get to sort of cross uh, uh, pollinate a little bit there just because you know the coaches are there to see if they can find some that they really like to add to their roster and so I I, you know, I'm, I'm interested to hear what these, these NFL coaches uh, and GMs and stuff have to say about these college quarterbacks and, of course, all the other positions and and uh, and what the Vikings need and, and uh, you know, where we go from there in the free agency and then the draft uh, first, week of, first week of May. So when Courtney's in, we have a segment called Courtney, our draft scout. I feel like we're going to have to do the same thing for, for you. I feel like we'll have to have Sage, whatever your middle name is, draft scout, because you're like our draft expert now. You've become well, that guy. I don't know. That's but happened may, to you. May, maybe for quarterbacks. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know how I could do a study and tape uh, for the for right guards and for. <laughs> well, you know, Courtney no doesn't tackles, know either. But... We just read what everyone else says about them. Um, let me ask you real quick: some of the quarterbacks that we left on the board, though, Joe Flacco, all the McCowns, and also Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota. Yeah, too. Carr's going to end up somewhere. You but know, where? I, I, he's the I one I have trouble I with if they get rid of him. That's you know he's an interesting prospect. Uh, he's going up somewhere. I mean, this, is he a guy that like goes to Chicago and says like I want to compete? You know, I'm, I'm maybe he takes ten million dollars a year, sort of a backup or whatever. But they're like they're competing for the job, and whoever wins it wins it. You know, that, that's a spot for him because it's not a bad football team. They obviously got a really good defense, and I think Breeze would like to have the shackles taken off him that probably. Uh, John Gruden put on him in that old school West Coast offense. I'm sure he'd like to air it out a little bit more. And obviously, Chicago, they throw the ball a ton. I see Joe Flacco is being done. I see yeah, the Cowboys brothers is being retired. Uh, Luke's Do been not, retired don't for say a few that. Years, you I never think. know. Yeah, that's the way it goes. You, you know, just one, never know. One journeyman moves out, another one moves in. <laughs> sort of the way it uh, ends up. Where's Marcus Mariota going to go? You know, what that, that's, that should be interesting. I see him as maybe a sort of come in and compete slash backup spot too you know or yeah um you know he's obviously got a lot of starts in him and you know everyone really likes him very respected guy but didn't do a, a great job playing quarterback for the titans and so but you know was in the playoffs just just a year ago he was he led yep. the T- tennessee titans team and they lost in a crazy game uh a game at the end right is it overtime or there was a two. No, didn't he catch a two point conversion or something uh, like that? He threw a touchdown to himself and and won that game. That was where yes. he threw a deflected touchdown. He came back and beat Kansas City, but then they lost the next week and then fired the coach, which was yeah, surprising. So there's there's some interesting aspects of 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 him. Obviously, he's not just a, he's not completely done. He's got definitely a lot of years left in his game. So of course, I know Vikings fans are always interested. In, where's Teddy going to end up? What's yeah. going to happen to his yep. career? He's sort of the one that got away, but you don't hit on the organization for it because it's very understandable. Yep. I mean, he had a 
a horrific knee injury, and you knew it was going to be time. And in the NFL, you, you can't wait two, two or even three years or whatever. But he has worked his way back to be high on this list, and I had him as if I was a coach, sort of in really almost any of these teams. I'd love to have Teddy Bridgewater as my quarterback to win now. He's got the veteran thing going on, but also he's got a lot of years ahead of him, I believe, in the National Football League. So I think almost any one of these teams would be happy to have Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback. Do you think that, so you put him on New England, but the ones that I've had at the top of my list are Indy and Tampa Bay for Teddy Bridgewater. Um, What do you think if, if you're him and you get a bunch of offers, which one, which place would you want to go the most if you were Teddy? Well, you know, he hasn't gotten like the monster contract, right? So money is going to matter to him more than like a Breezer or Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, but money's not everything, as we know. And, and I would go to teams that the quarterbacks have done well there, that the team doesn't fully rely on the quarterback to do everything to win the game. You know, Teddy's a good quarterback, but he's not one of those top five guys where you can just go, okay, go make it happen. Right, that's, that's what right. Pat Mahomes does and, and you know, uh, um, Russell Wilson and, and very few of these guys. He is a good quarterback if he's part of a very good football team. And uh, so, yeah, you know, it, whether he, where, wherever he ends up, um, he, he needs to look to, you know, not just short-term and the biggest contract, but, uh, you know, what team can I be successful on? Because if you know that, then you can be a part of that, uh, sort of part of the, the chink in the, in the, in the whole uh, um, you know, mechanism or whatever, and then, boom, you get a, a huge, uh, you know, contract because you go to, you know, the playoffs three times in a row, and now you got to pay the guy $35 million a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like the idea of him going to either one of those teams, um, Indy or Tampa Bay, because both of those divisions are not super scary. I mean, if you were talking about somehow him ending up in the AFC, uh, the NFC North or the NFC West, then you'd go, ooh, that's going to be pretty tough. There's a lot of good teams there, a lot of good defenses. Even the AFC North is a little bit rough if Cleveland improves with Kevin Stefanski. The Bucks but- are interesting because the NFC South, which historically has been extremely competitive, really, really competitive, I think the most competitive division in all the National Football League, but you know the Saints with Brees coming to the end of his thing and, yep. and Carolina's are starting over and Atlanta's a little bit of a mess. Uh, you know that that division is definitely, I, I think, up for grabs next year. With uh, with if Breeze comes back to the Saints, they'll be the ones leading the charge. And I think I, I've got two teams for Marcus Mariota that would be good. Uh, Pittsburgh is one of them because mm. Roethlisberger is so old that if he gets hurt again, we saw what happened. They were trying to run Duck Hodges out there, Mason Rudolph. Those guys can't play, and they're not even. I don't even think they're as good as our 500 rule about like, oh yeah, throw Duck Hodges out there. He's a 500 quarterback. I'm not even sure he's that good that they played really well and got coached up and had a great defense and still ended up out of the playoffs this year. I think with a quarterback that old, you always want to have an insurance policy. The other one I think about is the Philadelphia Eagles because Wentz gets hurt all the time. Even though I respect him and think he's good and we might see him someday have another one of those years that he was having in 2017, he just takes unnecessary risks and gets injured constantly. So you want to have somebody behind him that would have a chance to to keep you in it if he needed to play six or seven games. And by the way, an interesting hire today with the Philadelphia Eagles. Since you brought them up, they brought uh, they hired former Denver offensive corner Rich Scangarello, who was uh, a longtime um, Kyle Shanahan's sort of disciple, quarterbacks coach uh, uh, for a couple football teams. And so he's going to you know probably bring some elements of 
of that offense to uh, to Philadelphia, and, and and I can see Carson Wentz being a a really good sort of bootleg play action quarterback if he does you know some of those types of things. And I thought Scangarello, I don't know if he's he's probably just going to be the quarterbacks coach, but maybe he's a some sort of coordinator or something. But uh, you know, I thought he did a great job last year in Denver. Who you know, first half of the season Denver was terrible. And then the second, and Flacco was a quarterback in the second half of the season, as, as we saw the Vikings, you know, they, they had a young guy out there. He scored 20 points in the first half. And then they had uh, a really young kid, the, 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 uh, the second-round draft pick, Drew Locke out of Missouri, and he played really good football at the end of the season. Yep, uh, went 4-1. And, 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 and only and lost to, to Kansas of, City. To sort of finish off the year. And, and the loss to Kansas City was like in terrible snowy conditions yep. or something like that. But, you know, that, that's Drew Locke's a rookie. Drew Locke could not call the place. Like, every single play had to be on the wristband. It does not hit his mind right. I sort of know enough about the situation. To win with a rookie in the NFL, I think, as an offensive coordinator, I don't know what all happened there, but I think that Rich adds a lot of value to a football team, and I think he's going to add some value to that Philadelphia football team. Well, so they're going to have in Philly, they're going to have a run game coordinator and a pass game coordinator, and they're not going to have an offensive coordinator, which speaks to my idea of having every player have their own coach. Which eventually will happen in the NFL. These teams will I make so much money. Coach. When it's it, yes, we need a journeyman backups coach. Yes, yeah. that's right. So you groom Kyle Allen and Gardner Minshew, and you're like, look, guys, I know you guys want to start, but yes. I made a lot of money on twelve starts. Just saying. Uh, yeah. Well, but here's how to make a lot more. You know <laughs> right. I mean? Right. So, and here's the offenses you should go to when you're a free agent. I mean, that, it really it was big for me that I that I went to the right team in free mm-hmm. agency. I mean, the, the Texans were not a good football team, but playing for Kubiak and playing for Kyle you know sort of changed my world a little bit and i felt like i really i felt like i could really play in this league and not have to be a hero and i think that you know there's certain coordinators that just know how to make sort of maximize a quarterback's abilities and and that style offense did it for me well this was fun sage and i will tweet out our results for where we think quarterbacks should go and uh let the internet have at us as uh they so often do so sage great stuff you and i will get together again uh next week and we'll have more fun with the nfl offseason man thanks for time sounds great all right from one journeyman to the next our buddy Gus Farad is going to join us next hour. Also, Eric Eager to uh, be very happy about his Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. We're going to discuss that uh, as well. When we return, you'll listen to Purple Daily here on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> Welcome back to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, Jonathan Harrison producing. Judd is going to be in in just a minute and talk uh, hot routes and or go through some hot routes. And we are working on getting Gus Farratt on to talk about the Hall of Fame class, the Super Bowl, and whether an immobile quarterback can win in the NFL today. Um, Gus Farratt did a lot of winning in his career for a guy who wasn't very mobile. And so uh, we're hoping to talk to him at some point this hour. Eric Eager at 3.30 will be on as well. Real quick, just wanted to make a point about the Los Angeles Dodgers and what they're doing with um, trading for Mookie Betts. I was listening to the Los Angeles Times reporter who the guys earlier had on. He was talking about how the Dodgers have this plan to never pay anyone $400 million. And I was thinking about just how that relates to 
the Vikings quarterback situation where the Dodgers are saying, yeah, we are the Dodgers, and yes, we can't afford it, but it's just not super prudent for us to pay a single player $400 million. So we're going to trade for rental guys, trade prospects for rental guys to put in key positions, try to win, and then let them go. And Judd Zelgad's in here now. I kind of like that for a quarterback position, Judd. Everyone wants to draft someone, and I think that's a good idea. There's so much uncertainty, though, that my guess is there will be uncertainty again in 2021. I don't think it's the super craziest thing to just let it play out, let Cousins leave, and find the next guy who's Cousins. How crazy is that? Am I? Am, I mean, it's Vikings. Are, am, I mean, yes, but it's what they right. do. That's right. And it's what they did before Rick Spielman, and it's what they will probably continue to do. Because, like, think about this. Let's say Marcus Mariota, just for example, just a, a random guy who's done some winning but isn't great. Let's say he goes to Pittsburgh. He's their backup for a year. Yep. And you let Cousins walk, mm-hmm. and then you sign Mariota for almost no money to be your starter. You draft somebody in the second round to be behind Mariota. This is in 2021. All right. And then you give him, presumably, like Dalvin Cook, who you can now pay if Kirk isn't there. You give him Diggs, who let's just assume is still here. Okay. Irv Smith, who's developed. The offensive line you've drafted, and Adam Thielen still in enough of his prime to be very good. For Mariota, he never had a supporting cast like that. This is a supporting cast that made Case Keenum thirteen and three. So I, I, I guess okay. I, I just started thinking about why not this then. Everyone wants to draft one this year, but what if you run the thing all the way to the end and see what happens and see who's out there? Why not try and send a draft pick to Miami for Josh Rosen now, bringing him in next year behind Kirk. Kirk leaves. He's still got time left, and he's been trained. For a year with all those components. So Josh Rosen's a great example of this, how there's always someone who's going to be out there. It's a crazy path, but it's been done. It's definitely flying without a parachute for sure. (laughs) Welcome welcome to the Minnesota Vikings. I was going to say, that's the entire history. You've covered the the team long enough to know they've done it. Right. And I was going through this um, because someone tweeted me about how bad they are at finding quarterbacks. And I was thinking it's actually kind of remarkable the statistics they've gotten out of their quarterbacks when they've had a different starter every year except for 2018 and 19. And usually you don't end up with the type of numbers and the type of wins. Usually you end up being just like the Cleveland Browns. So, um, I mean, it sounds, it sounds crazy, but in their world, they've come as close as you can to doing it. And sometimes they've pretty much done what you just said. Yeah, it's, yeah, not that super crazy. All right, let's welcome in former Minnesota Viking quarterback, Gus Farratt. What's going on, Gus? How are you? I'm doing great, fellas. How are you guys doing? We are doing awesome. So I see that your podcast, Huddle Up with Gus, is getting A-listers. We can't even get these great of guests on the show. You had Isaac Bruce on. He's going into the Hall of Fame. Like all this, You're already, Gus, you just started doing this not that long ago, and you're already better at it than we are. Uh, I'm not so sure about that, <laughs> but I, I've been lucky. I got I got somebody who helps me who's relentless and... And uh, she just doesn't take no for an answer, so every guest just has to say yes. Well, that's awesome. And uh, I've listened to a few episodes, and you're doing a great job with Huddle Up with Gus, so I suggest people find it. Um, And Isaac Bruce, Hall of Famer now. And, uh, you know, what's interesting about this Hall of Fame class for me, Gus, is that these are now players that I watched as like a teenager into college, which sort of makes me feel old. I know you're older than I am, but I'm like, wait, I was a grown up when I was watching that guy play. This feels weird. He's in the Hall of Fame. But 
Uh, you played against a lot of these guys or with a lot of these guys who are going to the Hall of Fame. Troy Polamalu, Zach Thomas, Steve Atwater, Isaac Bruce. Uh, what, what was your feeling when they announced the Hall of Fame class? No, I love it. I love that these guys, you know, have worked so hard in their career. And like you said, I've got to play with a few of them. I've got to play against most of them. Um, you know, and it's just been so nice to see that their hard work has paid off by the ultimate uh, prize of being able to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, Isaac is a great person. Like you said, I've had him on my podcast. I played with Steve Hutchinson, played against Troy Polamalu. I live here in Pittsburgh, so I hear about him all the time. And, uh, you know, it's just been, it's been great. I was really happy for all the, all the people that were selected. Sorry, I said Zach Thomas. He didn't make it this year. I think he will eventually, right? For sure. Uh, yeah, you, I you played so. a little bit with well, Zach, you know, right? I mean, Right, yeah, I played with Zach in, in Miami. Uh, you know, I've had Henry Ellard on, who, uh, who I played with for a long time with the Redskins. Uh, you know, he was up for the Hall of Fame this year, didn't make it. But, uh, you know, it, it's a very tough thing. And I'm glad I'm not a voter because <laughs> yes, of those people sure. that have to vote for those last five guys. I think that's a very difficult thing. Do you have any Troy Polamalu stories about playing against him? Because he was one of my favorite players of all time to watch play football. His hair coming flying up to the line of scrimmage, jumping over, timing the snap count, making plays. Uh, him going in was kind of uh, really cool to see and, and, and obvious that he should be in. But for me, he was one of the most fun players of an entire era of football. Right, and I, I truly believe that as well. You know, he was um, – we used to – when I coached in high school after I finished playing, we used to put a Troy Polamalu tape up <laughs> of what you do correctly and how to tackle incorrectly. And Troy would just go 100 miles an hour no matter where he was, and sometimes it worked out to his benefit and sometimes it didn't. And uh, it was actually a really, really good teaching tape <laughs> on teaching kids how to break down and tackle because, as you know, Troy was a maniac out there and, and just played with uh, relentless pursuit, and which was an, an unbelievable to watch, but never fun to play against. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Talking to former Viking quarterback Gus Farad here. So I tweeted out that we invited you on the show and didn't even tell you what we were going to talk about, and you said yes, which is great. So that means I could throw anything I want at you, Gus. And the Vikings, the Vikings have a very interesting quarterback situation here with Kirk Cousins. He's going into the final year of his career. And the discussion here is, after watching Mahomes win the Super Bowl, can you win with someone who isn't really mobile? And I'm not insulting you here, Gus, but you weren't the most mobile quarterback I ever saw. But you won a lot of games in the NFL. And I, and I wonder what you think about when you watch today's game and, and whether you think you can win with a quarterback who isn't running around and making plays the way Patrick Mahomes is. Well, obviously you can. Uh, many Super Bowls have been won with quarterbacks like that. Um, you know, uh, you just go through the list, how many guys were super mobile. And I think it all comes down to the offense that they're in. Uh, you know, obviously Andy Reid saw that Patrick Mahomes' ability in and out of the pocket, and nobody really knew that when he was drafted, but Andy's placated to his strengths really well and said, you know, be a playmaker. I'm going to call these plays, but a lot of his plays come outside of the framework of what was designed. And, uh, you know, when you think about quarterbacks that aren't mobile, that sit in the pocket, you know, when you go back and I think if you look at most of the quarterbacks that were the top 100 quarterbacks, you know, players of all times, if you go through that list, probably the most mobile one out of all of them was Favre. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Elway, um, you know, Elway, pretty mobile as well. Pretty, but not like, but not like a Patrick Mahomes, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, or you know, or even uh, Aaron Rodgers, like he is now with the Green Bay Packers. I think it's it's coaches are doing a good job of saying, okay, this is how I believe an offense should be run, but then they're willing to change their beliefs a little bit to the talent they have, mm-hmm. because to go and get the proper quarterback for their system. I think that's very rare anymore um, because college and the way they're coached in high school and with all the RPOs and the run action and the play action and everything, it's all different now compared to the way it was in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, and I also think with uh, how college is still very different from the NFL, you see someone like Mahomes having success sitting out for a year, and that's really helpful. And uh, you know, when it comes to the Cousins situation, Gus, I wrote for our website today about how it's not just as easy as the Mahomes model where you let Alex Smith go and just draft someone because they don't all become Patrick Mahomes. Sometimes they become Christian Ponder and they don't work out and kind of sink your franchise. So uh, how do you think that the Vikings will make this decision on Cousins? He had such a good year this year, and they bring back Gary Kubiak. It's the perfect offensive fit, I think, for Kirk Cousins, but they have a salary cap in this league, Gus, and it makes things pretty interesting. Well, it really does. Uh, you know, I think Kurt's going to be their quarterback, obviously, and I think that if you put him in the right situations, uh, obviously you have a great receiver, you have a good tight end, you have a, uh, run, a great running back. Um, uh, I'm not sure how the line situation is going to be this year, uh, you know, but you got to have all those pieces together. And, and you know, is Kurt better in the shotgun every play or is he better under center uh, with, with play action and things like that? So I think they're going to really go back and look at, like, everything that, that Kurt went through this year and find out, okay, where is he highly successful? Where did um, he struggle a little bit? And let's try to stay in those situations that where we can put him in that he's going to be highly successful. Um, you know, and, and he's going to be the Vikings quarterback, and I'm not sure how long that's going to be, but I know next year for sure. And if there's anybody that can go out and win with a quarterback um, that is like Kirk Cousins, it's Gary Kubiak. Yeah, I wanted that was exactly where I was going with my next follow up because you played for Kubiak and it's such a great season to look at. Uh, Jonathan knows I like to go through old games and, and things like that on YouTube and get down the rabbit hole. And the 2000 Denver Broncos, you start six games and it ends up being the number two scoring offense in the entire NFL with Gary Kubiak. And that's the story of the man's whole career is, hey, Matt Schaub, he's a second-round draft pick and somebody's backup. Oh, and now he's throwing for 4,000 yards. Or Brian Greasy was a guy who was a third-round draft pick, and he was really good there. And Jake Plummer revitalized his career. Like, What is it about Kubiak that helps quarterbacks so much? I mean, is it just the scheme? Is it how he teaches it? Because his history is long enough to say, okay, this guy has a legitimate impact on quarterbacks. Well, I think it's a lot of things. I think it's his, his time coming as a player, as a uh, somebody who played in the NFL for a long time and, and been in those meetings as a player and not a coach, and then making that switch to coach and understanding what players are seeing and what they're going through and not putting uh, a pressure on. I'll just give a quick story. When I was playing for the Redskins and North Turner was my head coach, you know, there was a, a point where North says, well, that guy was wide open. Why didn't you throw it? I said, well, I couldn't see him. Mm-hmm. He said, what do you mean you couldn't see him? He's wide open throwing the ball. Well, and I said, well, you're looking at it from the press box. I'm looking at it from behind a line of scrimmage of everybody that's 320 pounds. And, and there were two people standing right in front of me. And, and I didn't want to make that throw because 
I didn't know if there was a linebacker running. You know, you just can't see things sometimes. And uh, it was just one of those times where I just knew that it may not have been a safe throw. And he said, well, you got to trust it and let it go. Well, you know, where Coobs was a little different. Coobs was saying, okay, well, the next time, you know, let's sidestep, let's move, let's do these things that, that you can see it. You know, instead of being so critical on something that, that I'm seeing and I'm telling you how I, how I think and how I feel, Coobs was really good about saying, okay, I understand it completely. Let's try to do a little bit different next time. And, you know, when that situation comes up again, move your feet, do these things in a pocket. And then uh, I think he was just good at understanding the mindset of a quarterback in in game situations. I've been thinking about that very subject a lot with Kubiak and even with Kirk Cousins because I think John D. Filippo, when he was here as the offensive coordinator, had a certain way that he wanted to do it, and he had not played at a high level like Gary Kubiak, where he was you know actually out there playing for the Denver Broncos and being John Elway's backup. Um, and and I'm not sure that those guys were on the same page very often. How important is it when you're working with your offensive coordinator or even your quarterback's coach? Not that they necessarily played, but that they're a a good communicator. I I, I think because. That's what everyone seems to say about Gary Kubiak, and I think that's part of the reason why Kirk Cousins was able to take his game to another level this year. Well, I, I agree with that, and sometimes uh, uh, an offensive coach is is so smart, and they understand their scheme and their their what they're running so well. They say, "Okay, we're getting cover three; the ball should go right here." And then all of a sudden, it doesn't go there, and the coach is saying, "Well, why didn't you throw it there? Because it should have went there." That's what this play was exactly written down and made for and then all of a sudden it doesn't happen and they're saying well i don't understand why you didn't throw it right and instead of saying okay what did you see why didn't you throw it let's let's figure it out and Mm -hmm. okay you made a great throw to your second read which was just as good okay and so some i think sometimes coordinators get caught up in saying this is the perfect throw and i don't think kubiak really ever got caught up in that as much and he understood that mental side of it from a quarterback's aspect that there was something that scared you off that first read or second read. Let's get it to the check down. And, and uh, you know, I think he understood that mindset a little bit more. I also wanted to say, Gus, that if you're suggesting that it's wrong for people up in the press box to point out wide-open receivers and say, why didn't the quarterback throw it, then I just disagree as a reporter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think at some point you should trade places with a quarterback. Nope. And then let us. Hard pass. It, and we'll see how you feel. No, I saw Nick Bosa play in the Super Bowl. I was going to say, nope, I'm going to leave that to you. Some of the defensive ends you played against uh, when you were in the league. No, nah, I'm just going to I'm just gonna let you have that. Uh, I did want to. Well, I, I, I tell the story all the time about Jared Allen is that when, you know, he was a great defensive end, obviously, for the Vikings. We're playing together at the Vikings, and, and we have our groups that we run with, quarterbacks, running backs, you know, tight ends. We all kind of ran together. Um, you know, the receivers ran together, and then it was kind of like defensive ends, linebackers. And Jared Allen was the only defensive end or player I've ever seen run with the receivers. Hmm. And, uh, I mean, it's just kind of an athlete he was and how fast he was and just could motor. And the only other player as a quarterback, I saw Ryan Fitzpatrick run with them all the time. I don't know why. Because <laughs> Fitz is the Ryan best, that's some- why. <laughs> yeah. Uh that's that's great. I mean that's a great story because you know I covered Daniel Hunter and every time I talked to him in the locker room I'm like I can't believe 
that you exist. Like just he's six foot five and two hundred and seventy pounds, and it's just all complete muscle. And someone has to block this man. And so I'm gonna, right. yeah, I'm gonna leave the the actual quarterbacking to the quarterbacking and the second guessing to me. Um, but we do have this discussion all the time, Gus, about what a normal person who is not a pro athlete could actually do on the football field. Like, could I throw a swing pass or could I catch a punt if I called fair catch really early? And I think the answer is probably that I couldn't do any of it. I think I could give you one thing you probably could do is, is be a holder for kicks. Oh, don't tell Sage Rosenfels that. Sage is super proud of how good of a holder he was. Uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was a holder my whole career as well because when I was a rookie and I was a seventh-round draft pick and they drafted Heath Schuler number one, mm-hmm. uh, Camp Cameron came up and said, hey, the more you can do, the longer you're going to be in this league. And so I was a holder for my whole career. And, uh, you know, it's true. And, you know, you think it's very easy, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of prep. And um, I'm not sure how many people could just come right off the street and do that even. And that's probably the easiest thing you can come up with. Well, yeah, I think I'll just keep doing this because that's that's a lot easier <laughs> than any of that. Um, yeah, Gus, let me ask you what you see as a quarterback when you watch Patrick Mahomes. Because as, as a um, journalist, as a fan of football, I have never seen anything quite like it. Somebody where it's third and 15 and you think, oh, this should be fine. Usually third and 15 for quarterbacks is this isn't going to happen unless the guy does something really special. And he went something like 13 for 17 in third and 15 or more this year, which is just nuts. Um, so what's the thing that impresses you the most? I just think it's a combination. He has a little bit of everything. You know, he has the smarts of the game. He understands what Coach Reed is looking for. And he also understands that it's okay that if he comes off a play early because he feels a little pressure that he's not going to get in trouble because he didn't go through his progression properly. Mm-hmm. And uh, Coach Reed does an amazing job of giving him confidence to break down a play and, and, and just go out and play some backyard football because he knows Patrick's strengths are throwing from different platforms and, and improvising. But also I think what is amazing is that he can do that. But also if you had to have him – sit in the pocket and go through his reads one, two, three, every time he could definitely do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's a great leader watching him play. Uh, you know, you don't see that. I'm um, down in the dump stuff. The only time I ever saw that was really when he hurt his knee, um, that he really got upset yeah. and, you know, he had that look on his face, but other than that, he's been a great leader. He's been a great player on the field, good in the huddle, I mean, now with the NFL, you can hear everything they're talking about and how he's relating to the other players. And the game that really sold that for me um, and how how mature he is is when I watched um, the Packers play the 49ers. And not, I know Patrick wasn't in that game, but I watched Aaron Rodgers, who, who's a, a, an extremely good quarterback, mm-hmm. probably a Hall of Famer, but just didn't have that same leadership. I saw that game, and there was no urgency. There was no, like, uh, hey, let's go, you know, go in to talk to the guys, get them up. And you see Patrick doing that, and that's something that not everyone has, and I think he does a great job of that, but he also does a great job of improvising out in the field, and he does a great job of of running the plays exactly how they should be. So he has a great mix of of everything, and I think um, he bakes a great cake because if he was short one ingredient – he wouldn't be Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, for sure. That's a great way to put it. Well, I, you know what I liked about it was that he really got beat up in that game, too. I mean, Nick Bosa had double-digit pressures, and there were a couple times where he ran and took shots, 
and he just kept going. Like They strip-sacked him at one point, and it would have been easy, I think, to get flustered or even what we saw from Kirk Cousins in the playoff game where he was in a similar situation, and there were a lot of times where it was like, no, I'm just taking this sack. Uh, you know, and, and Mahomes is on a different level than him, but I also loved his mentality that I, I had a defensive player tell me once that what was hard about playing against Roethlisberger is he could throw four picks in the game, but you were still afraid because he was never going to stop, and he was always going to compete hard and to be down 10 in the Super Bowl with 100 million people watching and you're getting whooped for the most part for the entire game and stay calm and continue to just battle I thought really said a lot about him as a person as much as a quarterback yeah no I agree with that for three quarters he didn't look like himself was missing some throws low high uh you know just wasn't doing things that he naturally naturally does and he just has this innate ability that when the chips are against him, he finds a way, you know, um, and uh, he could just do things that, that we haven't seen in a long time out in the field. Most guys get down. It's like, how are we going to come back? And even the sideline takes on his demeanor. Mm-hmm. Those guys all say, don't give up. We're not giving up. We can go score seven touchdowns on uh, in a row on every drive if we want to. And uh, I think that comes from the coaching staff whole way down to the equipment guys you know everybody believes that they're going to win no matter what now it may not turn out that way but they're going to give you everything they have until the end of the game yeah it's fun to watch well he's a famous podcaster first the former nfl quarterback second gus for hot um check (laughs) (laughs) check out huddle you know what i do this is just I'm, i'm weird gus but i was going through the 96 Redskins team where you you know went 9 and 7 with them and I was just finding it funny about how there's sometimes these really good teams that we just forget about you made the pro bowl for that year and they were one of the best offenses in the NFL and I love stumbling on a team that I had really no recollection of and here you are coming up and being the starter and and producing this great season and that's why I love connecting with you and Sage where you guys end up on a lot of teams and know a lot of people and learn a lot about the game and always bring great analysis. Do you remember the 96 team? Oh, very well. You know, that was a great team. Uh, we were very close. I think we went um, we went 7-1 and one to start the season, and, and uh, you know, we went, uh, I think we were, uh, at the end of the year, I think we were 2 and in the second half of the season, we only won two games, so ended up 9-6, and six, or 9-7, and seven, but it was just such a a crazy year because we knew we were good. We had a good defense. We had a good offense. And, uh, we, we, you know, our special teams let us down a little bit, missing some kicks. But, uh, you know, we were just right on the cusp and we needed, I think if we would have got in the playoffs, we could have really done some da- damage. But at that point, uh, you know, the Cowboys were pretty good and it was, it was just hard to make the playoffs. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that team is, you lost overtime games. You lost the game by one point against Arizona. It's like those, I like to watch the uh, NFL films recaps where they have the big voice guy and he goes through the season and they sort of skip over it. But I, I think it, it's, it's fun to look back at a season like that and go, wow, this team was like randomly really good, but didn't make the playoffs. Had all these great players, Brian Mitchell and Terry Allen. So anyway, I, just wanted to ask you about that because it was on my mind. Gus, always great to catch up with you. Super fun to talk football. And I love that you will answer and come on the show even when we don't tell you what we're going to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm pretty well-rounded. I played for seven teams, so <laughs> most questions I've answered before. Yeah, that's so, right. Anytime, that's right. You, I'd love to come on, so uh, thank you. All right, well, we will definitely take you up on that. Thanks a lot, Gus. We'll talk soon. 
All right, I appreciate it. And just one last thing, Merrill Hodge will be on next week on Huddle Up with Gus. So join us next week on Radio.com and listen to Huddle Up with Gus because we got the great Merrill Hodge coming on. Yes, you are a media member now. You're promoting yourself, Gus. That's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> I <from> the best. <laughs> All right, Gus, take care, man. Thank you. Gus Pratt, Huddle Up with Gus is his podcast, and I'm telling you, he's really good at it. Like, as you could tell there, analyzing football and, um, well, I need his guest booker, I guess, Jonathan. I'm not looking at you or anything. Just Sounds saying. like you are, but that's all. Isaac Bruce. It, it helps when they played together. It's like how we got mm-hmm. Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer is not answering your text, but he is answering Alex Boone's text, yeah. for example. Sam Bradford's so. not answering my text. No, no, no. That's the only interview Sam Bradford has done at all, I think. I like think had, so, yeah. I since up, his yeah. retirement, this is the only interview he's done. So... Uh, and that was definitely because of Alex. All right, Eric Eager is coming up next. And Eric has got to be super jealous that we just talked to Gus Farad because he is also a journeyman enthusiast. And I I love asking guys about teams they used to play for because there's always something in there. Like he took a little jab at the kicker. It's just like there's always something that happened throughout a football season that you wouldn't know or that was interesting. And 96 Washington football squad was a fascinating one. They were 8th in points, 13th in points against, and missed the playoffs. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. All right, Eric Eager's coming up next. It's Purple Daily on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll get you back to Purple Daily and Matthew Collar in just a second. But first, join Team Mackey and Score North at this year's Big Climb Minneapolis on Saturday, February 15th, over at the Capella Tower as we raise money to fight blood cancer. Donate to our team or join Team Mackey for just $20 when you use the promo code Mackey when you register to climb. For more information, visit scorenorth.com keyword climb. Scorenorth.com is your home for all the written and podcast coverage from our own Matthew Collar. Over on scorenorth.com, Collar has an article about whether it's fair to compare the Vikings quarterback situation with the one the Chiefs had with Alex Smith, as well as an article about the fuzzy quarterback picture in the NFC right now. Podcast-wise, Matthew Collar can be heard every day on the Purple Daily feed, but he also has a new podcast series called Off the Record, that can be heard about everywhere on Score North's podcast feed. His latest is on the Raised by Wolves feed, where he interviewed former Lynx forward Devereaux Peters about the CBA, where the league can go, what it's like to play overseas. And she also has a funny Maya Moore story on there. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Matthew Collar and Purple Daily. Not enough me in that one. Probably still need more me. Uh, you have two other episodes of Off the Record. <laughs> I do, yeah. Over on the Score North Twin Show feed. That's right. Jake so DePue and out. Matthew Corey. That's when you're scoring North Donald. Okay, back thank to Matthew you. Collins. Thank you, Jonathan. There's probably other stuff I did, too. Um, welcoming in now to the show for Pro Football Focus, a man who's extremely jealous that I just got off the phone with Gus Farad, Eric Eager. What's going on, Eric? Oh, man, I Gus was awesome when he played for the Vikings, and uh, I am a little jealous. You know what's weird is, you know, Radio Row was here in Minnesota and, uh, you know, when the Super Bowl was here, obviously. And, you know, from being in Miami with Radio Row, there's just everyone. Like, all these A-list celebrities in the game. So, Terrell Davis almost hit me in the head with his elbow. And Terrell Owens is walking by. And Travis Kelsey is dapping up someone, like, right over my shoulder. And you just think, wow, there's all these celebrity football players. But I will totally brag about talking to Gus Farad first before saying like, oh yeah, well we interviewed this person or that person who's a star. Gus is the best. Like He's just a great interview and he's played for so many teams. I was showing Jonathan all of his jerseys 
and he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different little jersey blocks on the uh, on his Pro Football Reference page, and the Vikings one is used twice. <laughs> it's just the best. Yeah, dude. When I was when I was in Miami, we we brought a bunch of PFF swag, and one of them was like a Ryan Fitzpatrick shirt. <laughs> and I was out to eat with Ben Baldwin of the Athletic, and Fitzpatrick just shows up to the bar. And so I go up to him. I'm like, I'm like Brian Fitzpatrick. Do you want your T-shirt? And, like, <laughs> and he was like the coolest guy. He was like, Oh, he's the oh best. God, yeah, he's great. great. Yeah, yeah. And he was uh, he was holding court at the at the place, little place we were going. And yeah, they're they're the best. They've seen everything, right? They've they've experienced everything. You think about like Patrick Mahomes, right? Like Patrick Mahomes is only ever going to experience being a superstar quarterback in the NFL. Whereas a guy like Gus has been to the Pro Bowl. He's been a backup. He's been good starter, bad starter, uh, behind good quarterbacks, behind bad quarterbacks. Like, you imagine the experiences those those people have. It's just probably one of the richest experiences, I imagine, as a, a pro ball player. I know. If you're not going to be the superstar and make $400 billion, then play for 11 teams and just get to know yeah. everybody in the game. And that's how Sage Rosenfels is and Gus is. So those guys are great to talk to and get their stories. And I, and I randomly asked him about the 96 Washington team that had great numbers but missed the playoffs and these guys remember everything too. So anyway, uh, Gus did not have a particularly hot take about the Vikings future, but just today I started thinking about this, Eric at, at quarterback, of course. So the Los Angeles Dodgers traded for Mookie Betts with no intention of signing him to a contract extension. They're going to go for it this year and then let someone else pay Mookie Betts $400 million. And then they'll trade for the next guy who's on the final year of his deal who they won't pay either. And then they'll just keep doing this. And with so many quarterbacks always on the merry-go-round and so many more quarterbacks who are good at football today than there ever have been, is it super nuts to say... Why don't the Vikings just let this play out with Cousins through 2020 and, you know, drive with no seatbelt, fly with no parachute for 2021 and see what comes up? Because we would not have predicted that Philip Rivers would be available or that, I mean, maybe with like Teddy Bridgewater we would have, but there's always somebody who's out there that you can get who's the sort of next guy that pops up. Right. I mean, like the, the Cowboys, I wrote an article for PFF.com, uh, yesterday that was the Cowboys are, are in thinking about giving the franchise tag to Dak Prescott, right? And so there's no guarantee that he will be Dallas's starter long term. He could be a free agent next season. And, you know, if the Vikings kick tires on Cousins one more year, you know, they could go ahead and acquire Dak or, you know, there, there's always the draft. I mean, Vikings fans, I think, are a condition to not think that the, the guys at the top end of the draft are theirs because they've always been at least, you know, seven and nine or better, especially under Zimmer. But like you can do what the Chiefs did and trade up from 27 to 10. It actually didn't even cost the Chiefs all that much and, and go and get a guy that you view uh, as a, sort of a, the next superstar in the NFL. So yeah, I, I have no, qual- if I'm a Vikings fan, I look at this season and think to myself, like, you can't be desperate to win, right? Because there's so much that they have to do to mortgage any sort of future. And it's all for what? It's all to have a quarterback who, you know, if you watch the game the other day, you know how, like you look at that game and the Niners had to basically play a perfect game for three quarters to be up 10 against uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, who played a pretty bad game for him. And he plays a perfect, you know, final half of a quarter and they win, you know, by double digits. That's that's basically what Cousins is, right? So if you mortgage the future to try to win this 
one particular season, you have to do everything the 49ers did, which is have a brilliant defense, get the one seed, play a, a kind of a crappy Green Bay team in the NFC Championship game. All that stuff only for the chance to lose to Michael Jordan in the Super Bowl, right? Like, and, and so the Vikings should, you know, you know, go you know, play the season out with Cousins and shoot for the moon in 20, 2021. Well, let me look at it as a slightly different way, though, because in the NFC, everything is really wonky right now with quarterbacks. Because once Breeze, let's say he retires this year, he's not coming back, then who is right. the good quarterback in the NFC? There's a lot of, like, uh, all right, all right, great. But there's no Mahomes in the NFC. So if you are the team that can build up your stacked roster with, whether it's free agents or draft picks, like a couple of years ago, Philadelphia spends a ton of money in the free agent market, and they end up winning the Super Bowl getting the one seed with Carson Wentz, but then winning with Nick Foles, in part because they have this super stack team, and then he gets hot. And you have Garoppolo's not taking up, at least for 2019, a ton of cap room, so they could get somebody like uh, D. Ford and like uh, Richard Sherman. And if you're the Vikings, I wonder if you look at this and say, you know... Everyone wants Mahomes, and that's awesome, but that's also a generational player that doesn't come around very often, and I don't see how we're going to get him. If we just have enough money to spend on the rest of the roster in the NFC over the next few years, unless Daniel Jones becomes the next Patrick Mahomes, unlikely, I think there's not going to be one, and there's going to be opportunity there if you have the strongest roster and then get a few breaks along the way. Yeah, I mean, that's a way to look at it for sure. But the issue is with Minnesota is that that time is sort of passed for them, right? I mean, they, you know, they had for a time the best safety in the NFL. And now Anthony Harris might take that, take that, uh, you know, thrown, you know, over Smith in the coming years, but Smith's sort of like near the end of his career. Uh, Xavier Rhodes is probably not coming back. Mackenzie Alexander, uh, Trey Waynes, like some subset of those players is probably mm-hmm. not coming back. Uh, Linville Joseph isn't the dominant nose tackle he was. Uh, they don't really have a three technique. Everson Griffin at some point is going to have to, uh, you know, he's going to age more than, than people think. And then, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, like you're not, you, we, we all came into the season thinking they were stacked at receiver, but we really found out that they have two really good receivers and are an injury and a little bit of ineffectiveness away from not having a great group. Um, and, the, and, you know, obviously the offensive line and then the offensive coordinator issues as well, just going into the season with Kubiak, the sort of fifth offensive coordinator as many seasons. So, I agree with you that that's an approach that can work in the NFC, but I consider it sort of like you have to like sort of shoot the moon for all of that to work. And, you know, it almost did for San Francisco this year. It certainly did for Philadelphia in 2017. Um, but, you know, and it almost did for Minnesota in 2017 as well. But it's just hard to bank on that season to season because it always ends up being some other team's year, right? It always ends up being some other team that gets all the luck. It's all like the injury luck on defense, mm-hmm. the quarterback that plays a little bit above, uh, his expectation, and then you know, as we've seen a number of times with McVay and Shanahan, the coach that is so much better than everybody else. And for me, if I look at Minnesota right now, I just don't see the, all those the sort of cards turning over that way. So I guess I'm not even sure what that's an argument for. Like my argument of, hey, you know, the NFC is is like this, so that means what? I mean, in a way, you could make it an argument for keeping Kirk because if you have one of the top five quarterbacks, six quarterbacks in your conference, you've got a shot just 
based on the fact that nobody has Brett Favre or, or John Elway or Patrick Mahomes or one of the great all-time quarterbacks once Drew Brees is gone and then we already know Aaron Rodgers is washed and Wilson's team can't get out of their own way for the most part so he's going to be good but he's not going to go to the next five Super Bowls and just own the conference but it could also be the same argument for making sure that you don't spend all that money on the sixth best quarterback in the conference because even if you end up with an okay to good quarterback, let's say you end up with someone who's on the level of Dak Prescott, who has flaws but is also good, and you could stack the roster around them over the next few years, then you've got a chance to be really, really good, assuming Trevor Lawrence goes to the AFC. Right, exactly. And you look at Dallas. Dallas has, I think, somewhere around $80 million of, of cap space and, you know, they still have things in front of them with, you know, having to sign Cooper and possibly Byron Jones to go along with Dak. The Vikings are not, I mean, they can, as you guys have talked about, they can make some changes, you know, in terms of uh, cuts to get some, you know, spots opened up. But yeah, I mean, the other thing that to notice, and then, uh, you know, you guys have talked about this, Cousins played pretty well this year. I mean, like, you yeah, look at this stuff in the QB annual, he was very accurate. He was very good on first reads, also very good on second reads. Um, the play action game worked with him. He was much better on throws after two and a half seconds in, t- in 2019 than he was in 2018. Like you kind of got good Kirk this year. And-, and so then if you get any regression there, either from the support or from the play calling or the offensive line or, or whatever, then that has to comp- you know, something has to compensate on the other side. And while I trust Zimmer to, to play one game, I trust Zimmer, you know, defensive scheme, just like, you know, against New Orleans. Uh, you know, for an entire season, I still don't think him and the personnel they have left on defense is enough to prop up even an average quarterback, uh, you know, to get you to, you know, you know, all the things said about mediocrity at the QB position, you still need a first round buy. You know, we haven't right. seen a team yep. make the Super Bowl without one. And that's a, that's a tough, you know, road to hoe in the NFC, even with, uh, as you said, the, the lack of like sort of top heaviness at the QB position. You know, I was thinking about it from this. Uh, way of, I guess, frame of mind, too, that if you sign Cousins to a contract extension, you are secure at that position, but you also miss out on every other possibility that you could have had. So let's just say, for example, I mean, if you're one of those teams, let's just throw Detroit out there, who signs Matt Stafford, an average quarterback. He's always been fringe top 10 at almost any time he's ever played, but he's never been the top quarterback in the NFL. And Lamar Jackson is dropping in the draft. But you're like, well, you know, we just paid this guy a gazillion dollars, so we can't draft Lamar Jackson here. Or even if you have Kirk Cousins get hurt one year and you go 3-13, and but he's under contract for four more years guaranteed, you can only really trade out of that pick. You can't sign it. So that's one way that we don't look as much at that position, but I've started to think about it is there's, there's an extra value to having the opportunity to do whatever you want. Right, and that's where Cousins' contract was such an issue with the no trade because you look at, you know, and obviously, like you said, Mahomes is a Mahomes is a one percenter. Mahomes is the the black swan, right? Like we we it, it's it's you know you don't aim for the Mahomes because it's you know you, when you do you're going to miss more often than not. But when you look at the way Kansas City operated, they signed Alex Smith. Alex Smith was pretty expensive for them for a while, and but they had the flexibility to trade him, and they went like there's you know. Uh, you know, they tried to trade up for Paxton Lynch in 2016, right? So, like, they, the, the brilliance of the Chiefs was they sort of knew their price at the quarterback position. And, you know, when Denver offered too much for Paxton Lynch, they backed off. 
but they kept Alex Smith around and they, they built a winner, right? Even with all those limitations. And when it came down to 2017, they were coming off being the two seed in the AFC and losing in the first, you know, in the second round of the playoffs with Alex Smith. And they said, okay, this is our guy, right? And they, they moved, they trade pick 27, pick 91, and then the following year's pick 22 to move all the way up to 10 and get Mahomes. And they kept Smith around because, again, like, they could. And, and, and he was still good enough to get them to 10 and 6, but then they traded, you know, they traded him away. The thing with Cousins is they don't have that kind of flexibility. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to it, like, they, they should sort of consider that option because it, the, the, the Chiefs got sort of weary of it. And I think Vikings fans are getting kind of weary of being good, but not, like, mm-hmm. anywhere near, really, a, a Super Bowl burst. Talking with Eric Eager, the PFF Forecast podcast, also technically a data scientist, but it just sounds too official when we're having fun talking about Gus Farratt and playing in 1996. And um, Alex Smith, right? Alex Smith is going to be one back, you know, that we talk about in, in future years. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, no question. We're going to look back at Alex Smith's teams and be like, man, they, they he had so many good players around him. Those teams were great with Alex Smith and just could never quite get over the top. Which people will also be saying about this era of Vikings football. Uh, over the last few years, the same thing that they've said about previous eras of Vikings football, even going back to you know early Denny Green, where they couldn't get the quarterback situation resolved. And I don't know, is there any argument, Eric, for saying having the same quarterback for a long period of time probably gives you a couple of shots at it? So let's just assume that they missed their one shot in 2017. But maybe you have to take some steps backward. You spend draft picks on corners and the right positions, and you still have skills. It, I mean, is there something to having continuity at that position to know what you're going to do year to year, what kind of offense you're going to have, who you're going to have running it? And you know all of that guy's needs. You know exactly what Kirk Cousins needs to be successful. You you know that he's going to have to have a better offensive line. You know that your defense will have to win a game at some point. You know that he's got to have other people to rely on. Like, is there any value in that? Because I think 94% of Vikings fans, would be my guess, are totally on board with drafting a quarterback and turning it over in 2021. But I also don't think that's what they're going to do, Eric. So if they don't, then how do they get there still? Yeah, it's a great question because I think I think yes is the answer to that question if you have continuity at the person who's in charge of the offense. And the issue that the Minnesota Vikings have is their their head coach is a defensive-minded coach who I think is pretty demanding of that position. Um, you know, and, and as such, we've seen five offensive coordinators during Mike Zimmer's tenure. And, you know, so because, again, like you look at how Reed, you know, deployed uh, Alex Smith in Kansas City – in 2016, only you know Sam Bradford of the Vikings had a lower average depth of target than Alex Smith. They get Tyreek Hill. They they change Kelsey. Kelsey led the NFL tight ends in yards after the catch per catch, basically for four years. And they morphed that offense into a down the field offense. His average depth of target went up a half a yard per throw in that 2017 season. He led the NFL uh, in passer rating. And again, like if there was some some value to that continuity there with Reed knowing Smith's limitations, but also putting a, a, a supporting cast around him that could you know be maximal. The issue here is that like you know, and uh, Kubiak's not it's not his first year as the Vikings OC, but it's just you know he, he's still only been there for a year and a half or so. But like that lack of continuity there at the person in charge of the offense, you know, curbs I think some of the continuity uh, that's there at the QB position. So. 
you know, but, you know, obviously the Vikings are going to continue with Zimmer because he's, you know, had some success in Minnesota. But that's, I think, going to be one of the issues with saying, yeah, just have Kirk there and run it back every single year. Well, it's going to be tough when he has to continue to have uh, different play callers every single season. Yeah, and maybe if you can get Gary to just stick around and do this because he doesn't want to be a head coach again, someone would make him their head coach. But he said before, I don't really want to do that. It's way more stressful than being the offensive coordinator. Then I suppose it is possible to be able to do that, and you can build the rest of the roster back up. Even if you're going through a year of 7-9, and 8-8, eight and eight, you would have to just be patient with it but we've seen in the NFC that you know even someone like Matt Ryan who was close a lot and is better than Kirk Cousins of course in his prime but you know good and not always great but got a couple of shots at it as he went along when their teams were the best and that's probably your best argument um Eric do you like how long I've waited to talk about the Super Bowl with your Kansas City Chiefs winning it <laughs> do you like that what was it like 17 minutes that's how long I waited I mean, it- yeah, well, the thing is, is that that Super Bowl has so much to teach us, right? And so I think we've sort of implicitly talked about it without really talking about it. No, that's a good that's a good point. But for you to see the Chiefs, a team that was so great for so long, and you grow you grew up in Minnesota and like the Vikings too, so. I mean, they're mirror images of each other in a lot of ways. Once they got Mahomes, they became not. But when they had Steve Bono and Elvis Gerback and Steve DeBerg and old Joe Montana, to see the Chiefs win has to have some flicker of, oh, well, maybe someday the Vikings. Uh, absolutely. And the, the crazy thing is, yeah, so I've been, I've been a Chiefs fan for about 10 years. My, my wife grew up a Packers fan, so we sort of chose our own team when when we got married and so i've seen some pretty big disappointments from them i've seen some sort of vikings like meltdowns from them and the crazy thing was is when i was when i was watching that game and they were behind by 10 in the third quarter i was pretty like distraught i was like oh you know and then i didn't realize and again watching these two teams play for the last you know i'm 34 years old so basically my entire life there wasn't that possibility or there wasn't that expectation that they could come back from that far behind, even though I've seen it before randomly. And Mahomes just made it look seamless and effortless, you know, and it was it's so crazy. And I think, like, when you look at, you know, the, the game that the Vikings played against the Niners in the divisional round and the, the game the Chiefs played, they're basically the same in the first three quarters. And the difference, of course, is that when you have Michael Jordan playing for your team, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, it just lights out in the fourth quarter. And, 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 it, and those are things that I think, you know, Kansas City Chiefs fans will get to take for granted, uh, you know, for the next 10, 15 years. And, you know, if you're a Vikings fan, you want that. Uh, and the question, the question becomes is, are they going to be, you know, take that risk that Andy Reid, who had a nice, stable job making the, you know, winning the AFC West a number of times, uh, you know, took a risk and went out and got Mahomes and you know obviously it could have been bust but it's gone boom for him and that's you know that's the that's what you get for that. All right, last thing is um where do you rank this one? I mean this Super Bowl, you've had a few days to think about it and the more I thought about it and I watched it back again on NFL Network, the more I loved it. Like just just teams beating the hell out of each other, so much talent. Yep. Big plays, star players. It had a great ending. Like, don't even worry about the final score being a little more separated than you want it to be because it was right there at the end with a minute left and, and one guy driving. I thought it was everything you would dream of for a Super Bowl. Yeah, for sure. I think New England, Seattle a couple years ago was a really good Super Bowl and very similar to this one where the team was down by, you know, the team that won was down by 10 in the, in the late part of the game, came back and won and the defense stepped up and, you know, it was a great, 
Uh, there were so many great storylines being there for two weeks, right? You think about the Spagnola taking over the defense and making it just good enough to, to get enough, you know, just enough stops in the playoffs for Mahomes to be great. And Andy Reid, you know, the storyline with him. So it, it's one of the, you know, honestly, one of the best games, you know, in that series because there was so much that was on the line for both teams. You wonder if San Francisco is ever going to make it back now that they have a ton of free agents. Uh, and Garoppolo sort of limited. Mm-hmm. And the question is, is, is Kansas City a dynasty now that they have, you know, a Hall of Fame coach and, you know, the best quarterback in the game? Yeah, for sure. Eric, uh, your contributions to the show all year long, absolutely fantastic. And hopefully we'll get to do another trip down there to Cincinnati at some point during the summer. So we'll definitely continue to talk as the offseason goes along. But every Wednesday, it was either you or Sam or Steve or George who came on and really appreciate uh, all of that from the folks at PFF. So thank you for that well you guys you guys are the best uh you know and it's so much fun to come talk uh football with people who really know football and who really enjoy football uh as much as we do so thank you for having us on and uh yeah let's uh let's chat in the offseason all right sounds good listen to the pff forecast which will not be taking an offseason break with uh eric and george hurry eric uh, we'll talk to you again soon man thanks take care man yep um, all right, so that's it. We ran it right up to the end. Um, so coming up next, though, Mackie and Judd with Rami. So much is happening, including, I just saw this from Phil, Red Sox vent line? Yes, I've been scouring. Red Sox vent line. I've been scouring Boston morning shows all morning. Oh, my. Uh, those are bus the best. fires. Okay. The best. That's, an, that's the best tease I could give. Red Sox vent line is coming up next. All right, we'll catch you tomorrow on Purple Daily. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.